Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in Hawks fans. Your boy Bryce Lewis back at it again for another Believe in Hawks episode. Hawks coming off a loss tonight. The winning streak has been snapped by the Los Angeles Clippers, 149 to 144, in a game where, you know, points were insane tonight. Um, but it's a game that I. I come out of it and I'm not upset. This is one of those games that if you watch, you realize how good the Clippers are. You realize also the Hawks didn't necessarily show they couldn't compete, but it showed the holes that this team has and the things that they need to change for that to improve or just, you know, whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, you left 149 points. You almost left 150 points. That I mean, defense has been an issue all year for the Hawks, but the Hawks have also been in a great scoring team. You know, and they, and they had their opportunities in this game. But I feel like for this game for me, man, I'll just go into this. I'll go into a bit of a different breakdown for you guys for this game. First, I want to say this. Clippers look like a finals team. They look dangerous. There's a reason why they are, like, I think, what, they're 21 and 5 now. I can't remember the exact date since a certain date. Um, they have been one of the best teams in the league. They showed tonight why with three future Hall of Famers, potentially four future Hall of Famers on their roster, you know, like how, why, how good they are. Like, like this Clippers team is really good. Like the Harden trade has really given them what they needed. And so that's going to be big for them. They look like the team to beat in the Western Conference right now you know, with the way they're playing. And the Hawks saw that tonight in State Farm. But for the Hawks, I feel like this continues a, a, a trend of good play. I feel like they've been playing some of their best basketball of the year these last few games, which has been during the winning streak. Now you come into tonight, you still play well. You had a chance. You had a lead late, uh, like midway to the fourth quarter, you know, and things happen. But defense ended up costing them. They couldn't stop the Clippers down the stretch, especially the last five minutes of the game. Could not get stops. Clippers kept scoring. Harden hit that clutch four-point play to basically seal the game for them, you know, and the Hawks, you know, they kept fighting, but just wasn't enough. You know, you got good performances from Trey. You got who who had really stepped up in the second half. Jonathan gave you 21. Congo gave you 18. Bay gave you 18 points tonight. You know, Bogey gave you 16. DeAndre Hunter, you know, he had a great game in his minutes restriction and 19 minutes for 27 points. He looked way more spry tonight. You know, Bruno in his minutes, seven and four, you know, you know, Wesley and his men has gave you a three. I mean, you know, you got you got production from guys. And 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 so on and so forth. But this this kind of takes me into Jalen Johnson now because this is definitely a game where if Jalen Johnson just plays the way Jalen Johnson, if he just hits the season averages, the Hawks would probably win this game. And I think this is the first time for him this season that he's going through that that rough patch. And what I mean by that is. He's still been putting up good numbers even before tonight, but you could tell, you know, people, one thing people have mentioned and we've observed watching them is, you know, when he goes into the paint, he attacks the basket. You know, he kind of seems like he's kind of doing it kind of finesse. He's taking weird angles. It's like he's not truly using his frame that he was blessed with to then punish the defense and create points. I need Jalen needs to come into the paint with more aggression. You know, 
I feel like sometimes he's taking some fadeaways. He's taking these fallaway shots. He's trying to like use touch when he puts the ball up there. And it's like, no, Jalen, like be aggressive. Like tonight he struggled, missed a couple. He missed the alley hoop, missed a couple of outlet passes when he was uh, rolling to the rim. Things like that, you know, that, you know, he usually has been pretty solid at this year, but you know, he missed them tonight. And just having those possessions go a different way and Jalen completing those plays could have definitely resulted in a Hawks win tonight for sure. Like the Hawks very much could have won this game. And that's what makes it impressive for the team as a whole because, you know, the Clippers are a really good team. But Jalen Johnson, he's really going through a process now where he has to kind of re review. I said on Twitter, I said, Jalen Johnson needs to look at this film and say, what can I improve? What, what could I do where if we ever play the Clippers again or any team similar to them or any, any situation like this? How can I be more effective in a game like this? This is a game that Jalen needed. Jalen is learning. You can't just out, out athletic everyone. You got to have the ability to just take advantage if you have a physical, uh, a physical advantage, and you know be able to then create off that. You know he only gave us nine points tonight. If Jalen Johnson gives us sixteen points, we win the game. You know, like, and that's not even like a, like, uh, if he had 60 points, that's not even a crazy game for him. That's just a decent game. But that would have been good enough. We, we, just, we just needed Jalen to have a decent game tonight. You know? And, and, he, and he didn't. And listen, it, it happens. You know, I'm not going to crush him for it. But he, he didn't have his best game. And that, like I said, it's just something that 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 needs to come with experience with him and something that he'll learn. And I, and I, and I, like I said, he, the one thing about Jalen Johnson and this experience, the Jalen Johnson experience is we are all sitting through this together, watching him grow before our eyes. Even Pablo, Paulo Banchero, if people, he had the JJ, he was on the JJ Reddick podcast. And he was talking about Trey, he was talking about different things with the Hawks. He was talking about Trey Young, about how he's improved defensively. But he also talked about Jalen, and he said it. And this is something that I think everybody widely agrees with. He's still figuring it out. Jalen has not figured out truly how to unlock himself. He hasn't. We've seen flashes. We have seen moments. We have seen stretches of the greatness of Jalen Johnson. But we haven't seen him truly figure out against particular teams, how can I be the best version of myself on a nightly basis? You know, he's improved the three-point shot. You know, he is a good passer. I mean, in the last few games, he's also been strong rebounding. He didn't even get 10 rebounds. Now. He got seven. So, Jalen Johnson, you know, needs to, needs to take some lessons from this and continue to improve. You know, and it was also good seeing DeAndre Hunter playing the way he played tonight. He looked spry tonight. He looked great. His knee looked like it was not bothering him. And you could see it in his shot. Remember, DeAndre Hunter shooting 40% from three. And you know what's funny? I think that Jalen Johnson may have saved DeAndre Hunter. And this is what I mean by that. Before Jalen Johnson's emergence, we all looked at DeAndre Hunter as, like, we picked him over Cam Reddish. He has to become this star wing. If not, he, he he's a bum. 
that's that's how a lot of fans view DeAndre Hunter. That's why DeAndre Hunter is viewed so just he's so polarizing to the Hawks fan base because he doesn't get enough credit for what he does do well, and he gets crushed for what he doesn't do well. And yes, does he have sometimes not the best basketball IQ moments, and sometimes he has struggles. Sometimes, yes, of course, he's not. A, a elite player, he's not a star. He's just a good player. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this is how Jalen Johnson saved him. Jalen is now that wing. And what I mean is, he's he's the star wing. We wanted DeAndre to be the star wing. Jalen is now the star wing. So now, Hunter can just be a good wing. All he has to do is just be a good wing. Before, when you were in his position as DeAndre Hunter, you technically... Or the third option, right? And people were needing you to give 20 a night, lock down the other team's best defender, and just consistently on a nightly basis. Like what we saw tonight, we expected every night. And that's just not DeAndre. But if you told me, hey, DeAndre, give me 15 to 16, hit a couple of threes, help defend the other team's best player, because we have other guys who can help you. DeAndre Hunter can do that, and he can do it well. It, 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 now he's no longer that wing, and he's just a wing. And that works perfectly for him. Because now he can he's not the main wing. And then that may let, let him be able to take advantage and now have maybe these nights on a more often basis. Because, you know... I feel like Quinn has been adapting to his players during this win streak. I think you're seeing a better shot profile. You're seeing a better cohesiveness. The the Hawks are playing much more consistent-ish basketball. There's not this high, high, and a low, low that you see. It feels like a very fluctuating team. You've seen consistency. Even in tonight's game, you've seen consistency for the most part, which is huge. And why it seems like this team may be turning the corner and now playing better basketball because there's not this fluctuation. And I think those things, like I said, start with guys like Hunt, start with guys like Jalen. Because now you have another guy in Jalen who can guard another team's best player, and then Hunter can guard the second team's best player. And that may bode weather, bode uh, better for him. Because now, because the thing is, if you think about before Jalen emerged, anytime we played a team with a really good player, we would just throw Hunter on him because we had no one else. Now you can go Jalen on him, and then Hunter can be on the uh, the second best offensive player, and then you can switch. Because sometimes having certain guys on your team can help benefit other guys, and I think that is helping benefit. DeAndre in this situation. If he can stay healthy, if his knee can stay right, I think what, like I said, what you've seen from him is 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 what exactly what you need if you're the Hawks, you know. And I and I and, I, and tonight you, you saw that you really wish that DeAndre Hunter would have finished the game because the way he was playing, he definitely is the one you want guarding Kawhi and Paul George. You're gonna have him and Jalen chasing them two around. 
you, you would rather that than Jalen by himself. And then because then what they're going to do with the Clippers attack Bay, they're going to attack Bay or they can switch DeJounte on him or they can switch Trey on him. No way. Kawhi and Paul George can win that matchup every time. Where if you had DeAndre out there, you can take Bay out. Now you got two guys who can defend those guys. And then you got a combo who can help. Now, obviously, he's not the shot blocker Clint Capella is, but he he's, I feel like overall, he's a better overall defender. So, you know, when you have that, the team now, I think, just becomes better as a team defense. Because listen, at the end of the day, realistically, if, if everybody's healthy, Bay's not finishing games unless he is just hot. If not, he's not finishing games. Because, you know, he is a liability defensively. Because teams are going to go after him. Where realistically, you'll take your chances with Hunter against somebody and Jalen against somebody. And yes, like I said, a part of Jalen's struggles tonight was also some of his defensive issues. But listen, it's part of it. And so, if you're the Hawks, you know, there are a lot of things that you could take out of this that can help. Like I said, Congo gave you 18 tonight. Now, he didn't do, like I said, the best on the boards tonight, but he gave you 18 points. He's continuing to put out that same offensive output that people would think, okay, if Okongu is a starting center and he's giving this close to this on a nightly basis, that's an upgrade over Clint. But Clint has value because, hey, you don't think he could have affected when they attacked the paint him, like, you know, affecting shots. Like, the thing is, every player has a role. Every player has a has a meaning to a team. We just look at the fact that, yeah, he misses a bunny, and now he's the worst player on the court. And I'm like, yes, is he a bit of a liability offensively? Yes. But at the end of the day, you're not going to have the perfect roster where everybody isn't a liability in some way. That's just not how it works, you know? And like I said, I know we want more from him and, and everything. And listen, I've, I've been on the plane of like, yeah, we need to trade Capella. But even in trading Capella, I'm not saying trade him for nothing. I'm just saying, you know, if you wanted to make a move, that would be the move to make because you have a center in the wings waiting to be the guy. Or just move Capella to the bench and just let him, and then have him be a specifically, like he, he can specifically play against particular teams more, obviously. Like next game they play Boston. Usually in against Boston, Ayeka Kongu plays a lot of minutes because he's a better matchup for the Boston bigs than Clint is. You know? Because he's because like I said, he's a little bit more nimble. He can he's more versatile in his defense. He can do a little bit more in that regard. And so, you know, those things really matter for him at the end of the day, you know? I mean, because the Clippers in this game, they came out attacking Trey out of the gate, you know, because this was a game that I, I said early that the other guys have to contribute. And the other guys did. Outside of Jalen, everybody contributed tonight. Because that's what the Clippers wanted. They said, we're going to, Trey comes up the floor, we're going to trap him. And then, you know, everybody else had to make plays. And guys like Akongu was able to thrive a little bit more off that. Hunter, like I said, gave us really good production in the first half. You know, and, and Bogey. And this is the consistency that I think Quinn Snyder has been wanting to see this whole time with this roster. Is It's just, this is what I think he envisioned this team being. Score a bunch of points, and then you just try to get enough stops. Maybe get some stops situationally, and then you win games. Because that's what they've been able to do the last four games. They've been able to get situational stops and keep scoring the ball. They've been able to play at a consistent basis. 
like I said, the biggest thing for the Hawks right now is to get healthy. They just got to get healthy. They, they, like I said, Bay and Hunter come back, but now Flint's out. It's like every time the Hawks get healthy, someone else gets hurt. The Hawks just need to get healthy. They just need to get everyone back at full strength. And then once you get everybody back at full strength, then you have the idea of what this team is going to be. That's why I said at the trade deadline, it'll be interesting because, you know, they've there's been new reports saying the Hawks now are taking a more, maybe a more buyer's approach, trying to buy, to try to compete. Because right now, this team is going to be a play-in team. Like, I think that is pretty evident. This team will have a chance to be in the postseason. We just don't know what seed they're going to be. They could be a seventh seed. They could be an eighth seed, or they could be a ninth or tenth seed. Right now, they're tenth but they very much are not that far out of eight. So they get another winning streak. They could easily be the eighth seed, and now you're a top eight team, and then, you know, you're going from here. You get If you get past your next two games, you know, if you're the Hawks, let's say you could get the Boston game or the Philly game. After that, you got Houston, Chicago, Charlotte, Toronto, Orlando. You can win all five of those games. You could start literally another five-game winning streak right there. You always play Orlando tough. You should, I don't want to say you should beat Toronto, but, you know, you would think you would beat Toronto. Charlotte, you get, get a chance to beat them. They're one of the worst, worser teams, even though Brandon Miller is playing lights out right now for them. He's playing great. Chicago is a team you need to beat for tiebreaker reasons. And then Houston is the team you already beat this season, and they're coming to your house. So, that's why I said if the Hawks can win one of these next two games and not allow a losing streak to snowball, they're going to be in a really good position because the problem with the Hawks that they've had in these last 15, 20 games is that they'll win three, then lose four, then win two, then lose three, then win three in a row, then lose five in a row. And it's like they they win and then they lose all that progress and then they maybe even tack on some extra games to put them more behind the eight ball. Now, this is your chance. If you if you could continue to play like this, this this – this specific game, this specific type of game is what we saw against Boston in games three through six last year. Competitive, you know, just it was it was a really good basketball game tonight. Both teams put it all out there on the line. Quinn Snyder switching to the zone. That was a big adjustment he made to slow down the Clippers offensively when they started the game hot. And they were able to start, you know, and the Hawks were able to kind of take advantage, get some stops, get back into the game. That's the type of that's that's a playoff like game right there. Clippers make an adjustment after halftime to, to adjust to them doing that. All of them. That's what we saw last year in those four games. If the Hawks play like this moving forward, they should be able to five teams I, I mentioned just a minute ago, they should be able to beat all five of those teams. And now let's say the Hawks, let's say they go one and one the next two games, right? Okay, so your record right now is 22 and 28. You went, you go one and one next two games, you're 23 and 29. You win five in a row, now you're 28 and 29. You're, you're a game below 500. And after that, you got Jazz, Nets, Nets, and then like you got Jazz and the Nets twice. Still winnable games. Like, like the Hawks are actually in a a position, depending on what they do with the trade deadline and et cetera, that they could get themselves back to 500 by the end of 
maybe middle March. Maybe. You know, like, if if not in March, if they continue to play this way, the way they're playing, with the consistency, the cohesion, obviously you know what your flaws are defensively. If, you know, if you're Landry, you see that. How can you address those flaws? We've heard names like Isaac uh, Okoro. We've heard uh, Grimes from New York. Two guys who are looked at as 3 and D guys. They're not bringing a lot offensively. They're just guys who can hit a couple of threes and play really good defense. And right now, if you're going with a nine-man rotation of your Quinn, Quentin Grimes or a Coro at the knife spot would be great when this team is at full strength because now you have multiple wings you can throw at teams. You have, even though we hate Capella, with him and Okongwu, Jalen and Bay, you, you, have, you have your front court all together that can all do different things. You got Trey, you got Bogey, and you got DeJounte. Now you have a team now that's like, okay, we we have something going here. We got some chemistry here. You know, we, we can trade down on his pass. We've, we've gotten past that. And then you go from there. You go from there. So it's one of those things where I think tonight was a tough loss, but a, but it's one of those losses that make you feel like, listen, Clippers are a great team. They have all the makings of being a finals team if they stay healthy. And the Hawks went toe-to-toe with them tonight, and then they played hard. And and a couple things with their way, they could have won the game. So, overall, man, you know, I mean, it was a tough, tough loss, but, and and you don't want to in the uh, homestand that way, but Hawks, you know, they didn't, they didn't screw themselves tonight to that degree. Like, they... They just played a team that's just better than you, you know? And, you know, that that happens in the league. You just have teams that are better than you. So. But we'll get into one last thing. I'll get deeper into the trade rumors as our boy Jake Fisher continues to give us more updates on what's happening with the Hawks. You know, because, you know, he's been updating, especially since this is a big week with trade deadline news. And I, I've said this, guys, that um, I'll, I'll be on top of it Thursday for you guys for sure. So something that he said, he released a video today um, and talked about the Hawks trade line, deadline decisions. This is what he said. He said the Hawks are looking to shake up things with the DJ and Trey pairing, but looking to add to Trey and JJ, not rebuild around them, which is different. We've heard this. They're going to reset, soft reset to rebuild around those two. They're much more concerned with adding impactful player draft capital is more so about optics and restocking their asset pool. Other offers confirmed to his knowledge are Utah and LA high chance. The Hawks keep him since they haven't seen the price point they want. They're talking about DJ. So DeJounte looks like he's going to be here past the deadline. DeJounte Murray is going to be a Hawk unless a team comes out the blue with a great offer. More teams could have capital they need to enter trade combos with the Hawks around draft time. And I wanted to touch on that. Because people may not understand what that means. Obviously, when you're trying to make trades in the season, you don't know what draft picks are going to be what. You don't know what 
capital comes unlocked for certain teams. Like you could trade with the Lakers or the Jazz for a first round pick this year, but you don't know what their record is going to be and what that pick's going to be. If that pick ends up being pick 22, it's like, okay, how much value does that pick have? I mean, it's a first round pick, but it's pick 22, you know? When you get into the draft lottery, that's why trades heat up because now you know where picks are. So you can say, oh, they finished with this record and now they're a lottery team. Okay, now any pick we get for them is way more uh, valuable to us than right now where in the trade deadline, you have no idea. Unless it's a protected lottery pick, you have no idea what that pick's going to be. And so for me, the Hawks probably, what I'm hearing is like, the Hawks basically aren't getting the offers they want, but also aren't getting sometimes maybe the draft capital they want. And that's just also just because of the draft capital the teams have. Like I said, you get to the offseason and now some of these picks that they've been offered turn into maybe a lottery pick. That changes things. If it's like the pick 25, it's like, okay, wh- why am I moved to move DeJounte for pick 25? So that just means teams are, you know, obviously taking their time with that. So another quote that came from Jake Fisher and his actual for Yahoo Sports article, he said this. From the beginning of the trade cycle, league sources familiar with Atlanta's thinking insisted the Hawks did not have to move Murray before the deadline. Hawks fans will surely remember the consecutive years that John Collins lingered up the trade block, only for Atlanta to not be satisfied with their offers. For Murray, it should be noted that, that Atlanta will have a much easier time finding draft capital, at least two first-round pick sources. said. It seeks for the former all-star guard point guard this summer. When teams gain access to future picks once the calendar flips to 2024-2025, like I said, unlocking draft capital for teams, the Lakers, for example, will be eligible to deal, deal two more future selections come draft time. So that tells me immediately, that tells me immediately that the Hawks, they have now basically been told, okay, well, if LA can offer more to us off this offseason, then why are we pressing to make a trade at this very moment in time? That's why it seems like at this point, DeJounte will be a point guard. He seems like his body language is better right now. Uh, especially in this game tonight. And I think this is what they're going to do. And I think that's why you you saw earlier when I read to you just them saying they're going to retool around them, add to it, not rebuild it. You know? So, so the Hawks, if they make any moves, it'll probably be a smaller level move. Probably, right? And we're going to have to see how that works out. But, you know, seems like the Hawks right now are not going to make any major splashes, but we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. We don't know what's true and what isn't until that day comes and a move is made or the deadline has passed. So we just have to wait and see what happens with the Hawks when it comes to the trade deadline and it comes to what this team will look like. And then as they make that second half push for a playoff run, and then we'll see how that goes. But. I think that's all I got for you guys tonight, man. I appreciate you guys tuning in to Believe the Hawks podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Bryce underscore 2K. 
B-R-I-C-E-Y underscore 2K. Also, if you're watching, listening to me on audio, Spotify, Apple, whatever platform, please leave a five-star review for the podcast so more people can see this pod and join in on the Believe in Hawks fun. Um, also, leave a comment. That also is very much appreciated. And then also, guys, don't forget, watching me on YouTube, subscribe if you want more Believe in Hawks content. And also like, we also have Falcons content on the channel as well. So we have it for both sides of the spectrum. We'll have something coming tomorrow for the Falcons. So look forward to that. So like I said, guys, I appreciate you guys. Hawks lose tonight, 149-144 in a, in a tough loss, but a loss that I think a lot of people aren't upset about. And, and, and you also just recognize, yeah, Clippers are a really good team, man. But the Hawks are playing a better brand of basketball. And if they can continue to keep this up, they're going against Boston, the number one team in the East next uh, Wednesday. So they're going to have to be ready to play in Boston. TD Garden's going to be rocking. The Hawks got to be ready to play. So that's all I got for you guys. It's your boy, Bryce Lewis. Bryce Lewis, we'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.